Welcome to another Pint with Shoney B coming to you from um, a take two actually of a very cool bar in Sarajevo called Meeting Point and it is probably the hipster hangout it's where all the kind of cool movie type people hang out we were originally out in the bar we had to come in here because it was way too noisy to record a podcast especially because the person we have on the podcast today is such a successful and a woman who has got by her own omission wears a thousand hats it'll take a few minutes for me to tell you all that she does she has a phd in filmmaking and literature she is a professor of screenwriting at the college here she's a screenwriter and producer who's made four movies her movie snow won the Cannes grand prix a few years ago she's also the head of the bosnian filmmakers association and she's the chief selector which this job in itself is my golden job she has to pick which movies go into the sarajevo film festival which is a film festival that's one of the fastest growing in the world it has been uh, it came from slow beginnings in 95 but is now really one of the top european film festivals i'm welcoming to a pint with shawnee b we're having um i don't know what we're having we're having sort of lemonade with vodka it's not, not a me. pint I'm oh no she's sorry she's not she's only having lemonade i'm having vodka of course because I'm, I'm watching a serious film afterwards and so. the cliche i'm welcoming <laughs> to a pint with shawnee b alma tatarajic Good, good enough. Ah, okay. Good enough. I'm having great fun uh, in, in the Balkans with the uh, language and the actual spelling. Uh, there's very few vowels over here, so they, they'll start a word with a Z, and then they say, I oh, know, let's put a C in, and then what? A G, a, and then what? A J, and then what? A T, and then maybe an I. We just throw one vowel in. So it's a land with very few vowels. Yeah, and we tend to eat them in Sarajevo, especially. They eat their vowels here, yes. people. I think she means that in a guttural sense and not in, a, in a, any sort of literal one. But this lady is the real deal. What? Where do I start talking to you about? What do I start talking you, you tell me what I should talk to you about because I could go in any direction here. Well, we could, we could uh, start from the beginning, which could be quite boring. No, no. <laughs> well, the, the idea of the podcast is people's no, lives. So let's say, I wanted to say uh, that you know, when, you, when you were introducing me, I thought, oh my God, you know, somebody might think I'm a serious person. I'm not serious at all. No, you'll hear this through the podcast. She's a laugh and she uh, believes in having fun. But she's also said, and uh, I was doing some research before this uh, interview, and she said she quite happily sit through 15 hours of movies in a row. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I do that a lot. And it's not such a fun job, as you said. Yeah, uh, most lots of, the of movies films, are shit. Most of the films I see are really, really bad. Yeah. It's not so difficult to pick out the good ones. Sometimes it's very difficult to choose what is like the top ten of them yeah. or, or the top five. Or, you know, sometimes the films are fighting for only one spot in the program and I have five on the list and every one of them has a certain quality. But unfortunately, most of the films are not really that good and sometimes it's quite difficult to sit through five films a day. You did say that you like to watch every movie till from start to finish, as yeah. if it's suddenly going to get brilliant with 10 minutes to go. I mean, well, can't you just shut off if it's really crap? I'm starting to learn. I'm starting yeah. to learn after 20 years, <laughs> 22 years of working uh, on a film festival. Uh, there is one thing. I'm also a filmmaker, and yeah. I know how difficult it is I to, agree. to, to, I've, to I've make something. Movies, it's yeah. really difficult. It's so easy to play the movie and say, oh my God, what is this? Look yeah. at this actor. Look at yeah, the story. Yeah. Uh, can you see this image and say it's bad and just you know shut yeah. it down? But there are people spending years and years and years mm. of their life and of their passion of course, to no. make a film, and that's why I always feel obliged to to see as much as I can. 
Do you uh, give feedback? Well, not to every film. It would be impossible. Yeah. It would really be impossible. But I, but I know a lot of people, uh, especially as the Sarajevo Film Festival is focused on the region. I know most of the filmmakers. I know mm. most of the producers, directors, screenwriters, uh, actors as well. And uh, we have become friends in mm. the past 22 years. You know, as the festival has grown, as I have grown, yeah. they have also grown. We have grown together. We have grown mm. up together. So... For a lot of people that I know, I, I do give feedbacks and uh, sometimes it's difficult. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's not easy for a person to accept that their film is not good, good it's not successful yeah. and it will not be successful. Yeah. And sometimes I have had situations when people get mad at me and they stop talking to me for about two or three years. Oh. And then again, you know, somehow it evens up. Is it very political? Um, no, 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 no. If people are sending me their film, if they're opening me their heart, and if they're asking for my opinion, you know, I, I think I should be honest and say what I think. Yeah. I mean, like, I can't watch horror movies because they scare me, But so I'd find it hard to watch, A, watch one, B, and B, work out which one is any good to go into a festival. How do you... Well, how do you, I'm lucky, you know. They're you like not, every genre, They're, they're not... No, no, they're not... <laughs> you would be lucky in my place, actually, because there are not a lot of horror movies right, made, especially right. in this part of the world. Yeah. So I don't really get many films to see. In fact, I did enjoy a lot of horror movies when I was a kid. Right. They were my favorites. I would wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning yeah. and go to my mom's and dad's or, or the living room and to hide and watch the films. I would scare my brother out by setting up some scenes from horror <laughs> movies. Uh, Glad you're not my I mean, if my brother was here, he would tell you a lot of uh, his traumas from his early childhood came from me and my love for horror movies. But there are not a lot of genre films in general coming from this part of the world. Uh, what are the main films here about? It's, it's, they're dramas. dramas. Uh, in the past 20 years, uh, the whole region has been really talking about transition. So usually it's about comparing, you know, the communist times to these new times. Yeah. And of course, predominantly in, in ex-Yugoslavia, there have been a lot of films about the war. Yeah. This is fading out uh, as now there is a new generation, generation of filmmakers who were born in the late 80s and uh, uh, beginning of 90s. So they yeah. don't actually remember the war. Yeah. They have uh, a second-hand take on the war, mm -hmm. uh, not a first-hand one. So Am they I are right starting saying there's a growing nostalgia? Things. For the past, for the former Yugoslavia. Uh, there has always been a nostalgia for right, the past. Right. I mean, especially in Bosnia. What is strange is that there is a nostalgia among young people who have never lived in Yugoslavia. Yeah. That is a little bit strange right, because yeah. you're nostalgic about something which you don't actually know. Yeah. So it sounds like sort of a Weltschmerz in a way. Yeah. You're nostalgic for a myth. You're yeah. nostalgic for for something you've heard second or third hand from. You did have a better football team before the breakup. I know you probably know well, interesting football, but uh, yeah, well, actually, Yugoslavia was a very good football yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually remember watching some games with my father. We, we were living, we used to live, I grew up in Iran. Uh, so we came back. So you're born here and then I'm you born moved here, to Iran. Then we were Why traveling around. My father got a job in Iran. Um, so we moved what to was he Iran. Doing? Electric engineer, specialized in something. I, I can't even remember what, something right. very complex. Right. Uh, Probably well, the nuclear program. No, Sorry, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Not that serious. Otherwise, maybe we would have won the war. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here, you know. So basically, we came back just a few months before the war broke out. Uh, that was bad timing. Uh, well, my parents were sort of hippies. They did not believe in uh, spoiling kids, in original Levi's. 
uh, in taking holidays uh, on a plane or a normal bus, but by right. hitchhiking, hitchhiking right. from Iran to to Sarajevo, for example. Suckling at your mother's breast, yeah. Well, they they didn't believe the war would actually start. They were they were. Clueless. But it wasn't just them. A lot of people. Were a lot of people surprised a that it, it snuck up on them the way it did and then suddenly the fragmentation was so vicious well a lot of people but mine were especially out of the the, the whole thing because yeah. we've been living uh, abroad since 86 Right. So when we came back in '91, they've been away. So they they had some fragments of information coming to them. And yeah. remember, it was not the time of Facebook or yeah, internet. Course, so yeah. it was pretty much limited to what they could really. So feel. how did you go to school if you had wandering parents like that? Did you just? Did they no, we went. We went right to a regular school. Right. Uh, they were really wandering parents only during holidays. Okay. Okay. Of course, and uh, they believed in not spoiling us uh, yeah. during school days and holidays as yeah. well. But it was fun. It was fun, you know. I remember these vacations vividly: hitchhiking from Tehran to Tabriz, from wow. Tabriz through the border to Turkey. You know, it it's is, a crazy it concept is. to do you that. You remember those days? You? Like of course, I, I remember them. I guess we're sitting on a dusty road with like hitchhiking, and a truck yeah. comes around every hour or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I remember once we were on a truck from uh, from from the border, uh, Iranian-Turkish border, from this little town called Dogu Bayazit, burning hot, there were no buses, uh, Iraq is just around the corner, so there was still the war between Iran and Iraq, so it was quite <laughs> dangerous to be there, there was a curfew at a certain moment, and I remember uh, a truck stopped, the guy opened the door, and then he didn't speak any language except Turkish, so we, he said, okay, come on in, there were four of us, and it was illegal to, to, to drive four of us, so right. me and my brother, we had to be at the back of the truck, hidden. hidden. Uh, and the funny thing was that the only word that he could understand was my name, because my name is Elma, which means apple in Turkish. Ah. My mother loved apples when she was pregnant, okay. and one of her friends was studying Turkish. She said, okay, you Good know, name. if you don't know, you know, Elma means an apple. So basically mm. all the time he, was, he had a bunch of apples, green apples. He was cleaning apples on his shirt and just handing them to me and right. saying, Elma, uh, Elma. So it was, nice. and we spent, we spent almost 20 hours with, with him. I oh mean, it God. was not such a... It was your first school in, in Tehran? It was a great school in, in, in Tehran. Right. It was a beautiful school. It was actually an American school. Yeah. So it was really a good school. It was just uh, my, my father had a contract. The contract uh, expired. Right. He had another job uh, somewhere else. But the deal was that he would come back to Sarajevo for about eight months to finish up and wrap, wrap his job up here. And then in September '92, we were supposed to be moving. That, of course, didn't happen. Uh, because of the war, and not only because of the war, my father had a chance uh, to go together with us to leave. But uh, in May, when the city was shut down, he he told my mother, "I cannot leave now. I would really feel bad to leave my city now at me, this yeah. at this moment." Uh, and my mother said, "If you're not leaving, we're not leaving either, uh, because we don't know how long this will last, and we don't know what will happen with our family." Uh, so the only decision they actually took was to stay, one of, one of them, and the other one was to stay together. That's how I stayed here. Um, I mean, and this siege went on for four years, five years. Yeah, it went on uh, And I, As I've said on a couple of occasions when I've talked to people on my trip here, when you're actually living history, you don't realize you're living it because it's just another day and you've got to get up and find bread or whatever it is. Well, my understanding of the siege was very different from, uh, from, from my parents' understanding of the siege. Uh, for me, at the beginning, it was very cool. I thought I was a hero from a film, yeah. living in extraordinary circumstances. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, it so sounded like I'm, li- I'm a real punk, you know, living in punk times. And yeah. uh, for a young nihilist as me, uh, those days were really great. Yeah. Now, when I think about it, I, I don't know how we survived. And yeah. I don't know how my parents got their, where they, did they get their strength from. And the more I think about it, the more I know I've been sedated during the war in a way. You know, yeah. I lived in my own little yeah. teenage bubble. Uh, there were horrible times, uh, like watching my friends die in front of me and uh, sure. being wounded. There were, there were horrible times, but I've never really realized how serious the whole situation really is. Mm. And I remember when I, I uh, actually, when I finished third grade of, of high school, so I was 16 and a half, I wanted to work. And I found a job with Obala Art Center, who is the who then uh, later on organized the, the Sarajevo Film Festival, yes. who was actually organizing a lot of uh, concerts uh, at the at the Academy Film Academy yes. Film and Theater Academy Club concerts exhibitions, and I always wanted to be there. Um, and uh, once I decided to go to the cinema, and then I saw this bunch of people, you know, in this bar, and I thought this is where I want to be. Uh, so I, I, I came up to them and I said, I want a job, and I got a job. So I came yeah. to my parents, I was 16 and a half, and I said, listen, you know, I have a job. They said, great, that's perfect. But then after a few months, for me, it was impossible to travel uh, to my house from the office. Uh, my school was near this the office. This is still but, bang in the middle of the sea. But it, yeah, it was in the middle of the sea. It was very dangerous. So were people dangerous. still going to the cinema then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there was no power, right? Absolutely. Well, we, you could always find a way. <laughs> Generator, yeah. And generators, and uh, uh, we were paying tickets for... Uh, uh, we were, the, the, the way to pay the tickets was with cigarettes. So it was okay. really... Bar so after, a, after half a year, I said to my mother and father, I'm moving. I, I'm, I'm going to live in the office. They set up a little apartment near the office so I started living in the office and now I realize I think oh my god mad, you know, yeah. it is totally mad yeah. I mean if I was uh, a mother to a 16 <laughs> year old in the middle of war I would tie her to to you yeah. know to I don't know the to, basement to, to the yeah. basement and yeah. say no you're not leaving are you crazy but they let me go and uh, did you always have a love of movies yeah I where mean, did that come from I think hmm. uh, it's not only love for movies but it's love for storytelling yeah I believe when I was a, I remember when I was a kid we used to have a little group uh, five six seven of us always making a theater play for the whole yeah. street and yeah. performing and yeah. uh, uh, getting paid with little Dressed money for up. the tickets yeah. and then I trying did. to set up things uh, I was great at writing I was writing everybody's essays in in the classroom <laughs> uh, especially the ones who hated writing yeah. so I would write them and uh, you know help them, uh, help, them help them out um, but also, I think my mother, she loves movies, and her favorite, uh, her favorite fun time uh, is, is watching films. She even now, for her, a weekend off means uh, from 9 o'clock in the morning until 1 a.m., she's watching films, only stopping for having a coffee with my well, father. This is clearly where you got it yeah, from. <laughs> I, and I remember when my, my, my father used to travel a lot, like me now, and then we would have these long weekends where we would lie in bed and, you know, make cinema in our house Brilliant. and uh, watch so many films with my mother. Uh, How many so movies do you reckon you've watched in your life? I have no idea. I think a year that I see about 700. Wow. I'm going to ask right you... Number, including short films. Okay, I'm going to ask you films. now, but you don't have to answer till the end of the podcast what your favorite movie of all time is. Okay. Um, so you, so the war when it finished, did you 
again, a lot of people said it just the the, the end of it crept up on them as well because suddenly, is it really over? Is it not over? Are we, you know, when did life get back to normal and what happened then? Hmm. I don't know. For me, it kind of got normal when um, I enrolled at the Academy of Performing Arts. This was um, in, in September 96. So basically, it was roughly 10 months after the Dayton, Dayton agreement yeah. has been signed or maybe six months after the city has been kind of freed, so to speak. Yeah. Was that a joyful time? I think it was a hysteric time. Right. I think we were not very much aware of what was happening. There was no joyful, joyful time. I mean, in, in general, there were very few joyful times. In my opinion, I think it uh, it must have been the concert of U2, one of the... Yeah really biggest joyful yeah. times we have experienced. I mean, uh, you can't fault Bono for trying. He, he, he did try and make the Well, make yeah, the world and it was amazing. And, yeah. and this was in 97, September, I think. Yeah. It was really amazing. And I think it was really a, one of the rare moments where we felt that we are alive. Uh, well, the world is watching because th- that was the big problem. You were all abandoned by the world. I mean, that was or by Europe. You know, it was, I remember growing up and everyone was just... Uh, yeah, Tired. Well, Tired, but also helpless and, yes, angry that no one was fixing this and not really understanding what the hell was going on and who the good guys were and the bad guys and why is Croatia blowing these guys up and now these guys are blowing... You know, it was just... I, I, I always, well, it I always, is confusing. <laughs> well, no, I always felt that if, into, if it happened today with all of the technology that we have, it would be a lot more clear what the hell is going on. There would be a lot more... Everyone's now a reporter because everyone has a, a, a camera in their phone. And there would be an awful lot more noise created about what was going on. I think it probably would have been. Oh, I don't know. Well, earlier. on the other, on the other hand, with the stigma on, on uh, Islam, mm. maybe it would not have. I mean, it was before 9/11, and yeah. I think it would have been very different yeah. today. I mean, the the you know the fact that there are a lot of Muslim people mm. would really influence a lot of decisions. Uh, it was very painful to to know that nobody cares. For me, it was more painful to watch my parents feel the pain because nobody really cares. How did they come out of it? Um, well, my parents have changed their lives entirely. They, they don't live the same life as they did before the war. My father was uh, 46 when the war started. My mother was uh, younger than me now. She was 38. Um, my father had an amazing career and it was just, uh, it was in its Gone, peak, yeah. so it stopped. Uh, my mother kind of picked up quicker in a way because my father lost his job, the whole industry collapsed, he got really depressed, uh, the war didn't work out the way he thought it would, nobody mm. won, everybody lost. Yeah. Then my father started beehiving. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and then they decided to renovate uh, their, their little house uh, 30 kilometers, 40 kilometers from Sarajevo. And very soon, in 2000, they moved. Yeah. And they changed their life. You know, before they were surrounded by friends. I grew up on parties, Fridays and Saturdays. There were parties all night long at my parents' house, at their friends' places. And they were going to see films. They were going to theater. They were uh, at concerts, dancing. You know, the house was always full of people with loud, loud, loud music. That's how I grew up. Mm. Suddenly, they went to nature. They're more or less alone, uh, yeah. surrounded by, uh, by a few dogs. Yeah. There, the beehiving, and of course, some friends, some fa- family yeah. 
their social life is not even ten yeah. percent of what what it used to be. So they really changed their life in this sense, and uh, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. In okay. fact, I'm going uh, to visit them. Hello, <laughs> hello to uh, the. Tatarajiches or whatever. Sorry, no, they're, they're, uh, this is that's my husband's name. Oh, that's your husband's name. name. Yeah, what, what so they, Haji your even even oh, worse, even worse for hello you. Hello to Habtur. No, but you can say hello to Silva and Omer. Hello, Silva and Omer. Yeah, they'll if be If you're happy. listening, um, and this will be coming out a little bit later in the year, but, yeah, they'll be quite happy. So you you were in film school. What when was the spark lit in you that said I could do this? I could write movies. I could make movies. And how did that come about? Well, during the war, I didn't really know what what. I finished high school. I was already working for Obala. We already had a film department. I was very active in this film department. I was organizing different programs. Edinburgh Film Festival, the review of Edinburgh Film Festival, Locarno Film Festival, a lot of things. But I did not have a sense that I need to go and finish my formal education because it was in the middle of the war and I thought that it's, I want to live. Right. And I thought that educating during the war for me was not... Uh, an option mm -hmm. uh, so kind of when the war stopped then I thought okay now I can continue with normal life in a way so uh, so I thought okay maybe I should now go to the school and you know see how that works out and it was great it really completely changed my life from from 90 uh, beginning of 94 until 96 I was surrounded by amazing people yeah. but I thought I need to change the scenery and I need to do something for myself and then I enrolled the academy, and suddenly, you know, I found out that, you know, this island which I have is not the island, the only island I could have. There are also other islands, and it's funny because, you know, it's one door to another. You know, our office of the festival mm -hmm. was just next door to the academy, but it was a completely new world, right. which I have not discovered until then. And then, you know, when I was in, at the academy, I, I realized I cannot live without this world, and I cannot live without that world. Okay. So I, I must find a way to connect these two worlds. Right. The two worlds being just writing the, and... Writing the and teaching, teaching and also programming and okay. staying with the film festival. Okay. And then when you're surrounded by, by, by people who are also writing, who are directing, who are acting, you know, one thing leads to another. Yeah. Suddenly you're in the middle of a play, you're working on a new play passionately. Yeah. Suddenly you're working on a, on a film with, with, with your colleagues. Suddenly yeah. you're starting to produce. You know, it just... Yeah. Um, sucks you in especially if you have passion for that so you started doing s short films was Snow your first feature or second uh, first feature I did a few so short films so straight out of the bat you won a Grand Prix account for your first feature yeah how many times has that happened in the future in the history uh, of well no, not it's Matt not so Damon rare it's not so rare remember what Rocky happened last year last one image the Hungarian filmmaker okay right yeah. well I know you're not so much into no. Hungarian filmmaking no. <laughs> but the guy who won the, the Oscar yes. for, for the best foreign film yeah. he actually made a first feature uh, went to Cannes won the award okay. and then blah 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 you know all the okay. thing which happened so it's not so it's not so rare but before that uh, we did a film in uh, th that was more a miracle. The other, the short film that we did, I was um, a collaborator on the script. The director was Aida Begic, who also directed uh, Snow. Uh, we were, she was on her fourth year. I mean, she was finishing. She was doing her final film. And I was on my third year or something like that, or second year of studying, I don't remember. And we made this short and we sent it to Cannes and we got accepted. For the the film school uh, program, this was Cine the Fundacion. North, the, the, what was it? Uh, it was a first death experience. First death. So tell me what that was about and where you got the idea. From. It's about a guy who needs to get his ID, 
in order to sort out his, uh, you know, social status. Right. But he cannot get his ID because he has been identified as dead ah, during the war. Okay. So he's, he's, he's alive and he's trying to prove that he's not dead. Yeah. But for everybody, it's much easier to consider him dead than to bring Was him back to life. Was it serious or comedic? It's a black comedy. He's also a talented, uh, he's making comics. Right, so okay. you have part of the film in, in comics okay. and part of the film, of course, during the film he finds a girl, you know, born yeah, okay. girl, and there is, he doesn't find his identity, I mean, he doesn't get his ID, but right. he finds uh, a girl and through her, you know, it's a kind of uh, happy end, they drive yeah. uh, into sunset. So there is... What uh, age were you when you made that? Oh, uh, 23. And then... You were invited to go to Cannes to with her. Yes, but I, that year that? I couldn't go. Oh, I didn't. Right. Have, I didn't have money. Why didn't Cannes cough up for it? They they did it. They only covered it for the director, oh. and I was invited, but I couldn't go. I didn't have. Oh, I, it no. was for me. It was just too much money. Did she love it? Did she have a great time? Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was great. I mean, I went to Cannes just two years after that. I mean, I don't regret plenty, it because I've been there plenty since. of times, and it was just not a. It was not an option. It's, yeah. it's so expensive to go to Cannes even today. But then, as a student, was that the first Bosnian? One of the first Bosnian films to be? Oh well, yeah. Uh, well, it was first student Bosnian film to be in in Cannes at this at this section. Uh, there were other films uh, even before the war. Bosnian films yeah. in Cannes, of course, uh, Emir Kusturica, yes. but also Ademir Kenovic. Uh, How important Bosnia. do you think a good idea, a good strong idea, is versus a well-made movie? Do you give credit to ideas or production? Well, for me, uh, idea is number one. The, the main idea, the drive behind the idea, for me, that is really number one. And sometimes I can even close an eye on production certain, values. you yeah. know, low production value and uh, because yeah. of the idea. But, of course, it's not enough to have a good idea. You know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot of time. It has to be watchable. Yeah, it has <laughs> to be watchable. It yeah. has to have a sense of craft yeah, as yeah. well. You know, it's, it's, you know, I think everybody has ideas. One but the, the craft is something that not everyone has. So was that the excitement of that that led you to Snow? Or, and tell me what Snow was about. Snow um, on, on, on is, um, um, is a film set in a village, a remote village, um, in uh, 1998, so right after the war. In this village, there are only women and children living, only one old man who survived, because their men and sons have been taken away yeah. during the war. These women were refugees. They came back to, the, to their little uh, destroyed village mm -hmm. because they believed that their husbands are alive and they will come back. So if they are alive, they will come back to their village. They will not look for them in Sweden yes. or Germany or Norway. Um, meanwhile, as it's very remote, they are trying to survive uh, and uh, they are trying to prepare for winter. They have a lot of fruits and vegetables, but trying to sell these fruits and vegetables, it's not so easy if you're living on top of a mountain. And one day a man comes uh, offering them money to buy off their land. And now they are in a dilemma, should they sell or should they stay? So it's about this, about this dilemma, you know, to stay somewhere which is not really generous to you or to leave and forget about the place which was the only place generous to okay. you. Uh, it's also about globalization. It's not only about war. Yeah. It's also about this globalization and you know, you know, selling and buying and, and everything which is happening not only in Bosnia but I think everywhere. But it has been quite successful. 
It's one of the, the last Bosnian films which has been seen by 70,000 people in cinemas right. in, in, in Bosnia. It has been to about 100 film festivals. Yeah, it won about 30-something awards. awards. Yeah, so yeah. it was really... Uh, it was really successful. So that, and this was still in your 20s? So no, this was already in oh, my 30s. Really? Okay. Yeah, okay. my beginning uh, 30s. But we started developing the film when we were in our 20s. Oh. And then we decided that we will produce it on our own. We set up our own company. I was the producer. And I, I don't know how I did it. I, honestly, when I think about it, I, I must have been crazy because it's such a big risk. It's such a big project. Uh, project. It's you know one million euro thing. Yeah. It's, it's not. We shot it here. We shot it in Gorazde. It's eastern Bosnia, up right. in the mountain. You're in charge of the Bosnian Filmmakers Association or board, whatever it is. I read that's been going since 1950. Yeah, that's an old association. One of the rare old things that have survived uh, during all this. So is there crazy is there times. a very rich heritage of filmmaking here? There is a very rich heritage, okay. especially in Bosnia. Yeah. Uh, um, not a lot of films in terms of numbers, mm. even then when we we produced a lot. Uh, but in terms of quality, in terms of what the films meant, in terms of what, what came out from Bosnian storytelling, uh, film-wise, it was very important, even in ex-Yugoslavian, uh, yeah, ex-Yugoslavian um, uh, setting. Yeah. Uh, so there is a strong heritage. We do not come from nowhere. I mean, the, the yes, whole yes, situation yes. with Bosnian cinema does not come from, you know, it's not really the war that inspired us. It was. And where were, the, was were the movies traveling east mainly back in the day? They, they were movies that would be They were shown. traveling uh, everywhere. Really? They were also okay. shown in Cannes. They were okay. shown in okay. Venice. They were shown in Berlin. Um, well, they were also shown in the east, far east especially. China, mm. for example, one of the most important films made yeah. in Sarajevo called... Uh, that is Walter, uh, uh, Walter oh, Brani Sarajevo, yes. you, you know, the the glasses, the, the, the spy. Walter the Defender of Sarajevo. Yes, yes. This is uh, a World War II spy, I suppose, yeah. would, would be the word. Fighting and, and for the was, liberation of our yeah, city. he was like a superhero. Superhero, exactly, he's a superman of Sarajevo. It was a, a huge hit in, in, in China. It's weird that sometimes... Even today, you know, if I meet somebody from China, they, yeah. they will... You're from Sarajevo. It's weird, isn't They it? would sing me the song, you know, the, the title song from the film, and it's really weird. You know, so if, if someone had to watch a Bosnian movie, because a lot of the people listening to this are from listening in America and whatever, apart from Snow, what would the other Bosnian movie someone should watch? Well, definitely Walter, the Defender of Sarajevo. Okay. It's really a cult thing. And anything you can put your hands on of this director. His, his name okay. is Hairudin Shiba Krvavac, and he's the inventor of a movement, of a cinema movement yeah. uh, in, in the 70s in ex-Yugoslavia called Partisan Western. So it's really a specific genre, very specific to ex-Yugoslavia and also to this guy in Bosnia. So any okay. movie you can put your hands on from this guy, Hairudin yeah. Shiba Krvavac, will be really a very good ride, a joyful ride. Um, well, definitely No Man's Land, I would suggest. Uh, see, I have seen that. I and I would that. suggest uh, Grbavica okay, so uh, by Jasmila Zbanic. The links, strongly. the links to them or their wiki page will be on the blurb for this podcast, so check them out. So part of the reason you have all these hats is because you were almost, it, it, was, almost geograph- it was almost geography. You were in a building that had all these things, as you said, nearby. Interesting and you things. Were, uh, yeah, you were <laughs> dipping in and out of them, right? Exactly. And meanwhile, you were getting like this professorship, right, in, in screenwriting, and then you were a teacher? Yeah, uh, 15 years ago, I think, was it 15? Even when I was studying, I started working uh, with my professor of script writing at that time. 
But then um, uh, in 2002, I became an assistant uh, at script writing. It's really one of the most beautiful things that I do, to be surrounded by young people. Are you seeing a, a big increase in the quality of talent? It really depends on year, you know, year really? from year. It, sometimes you have a class which is amazing. You right. know, whatever they do, it's it's brilliant. But sometimes it happens that it just doesn't work out. So it's it, it's it's very uneven. I mean, it's easier to make stuff now, right? Because we have all the technology. It's much easier, but they make less, which is okay. crazy. Really. Uh, I think the, the the you know the overflow of information somehow you know stopping them from working yeah. because they can easily see everything and right. I think then it, it overwhelms know, them it yeah. overwhelms yeah, them and yeah. somehow you know frightens them or paralyzes yeah. them so yeah. it's somehow it's strange they know yeah. a lot I get that I get that I understand that because I think also, there's also a feel like this my idea in this world of ideas who's going to pay it any attention exactly. whereas if you're on your own and you only see a few things you don't know what's going you're on you're isolated you don't care yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah. you That's just want to do your thing That's a very good point I find yeah. it very, de- I mean, I've just spent the last while living in America and I find it really annoying the way kids, if, if ever there was pap being fed to people, and I think the, the lazy way American filmmaking has gone to just the next Marvel comic with a massive budget and a big director, even the Star Wars stuff was really, I thought it was terrible. I, I went to see Michael Moore's new movie, which is fantastic. Um, I, I don't know whether it it's come out here yet. I don't think it's hit Europe yet. No, but it's, no, where exactly. will we invade next? But I was at that. It got a round of applause in America, which rarely happens, okay, afterwards. But as I got up to leave, I found out I was the youngest person in the room, right? Everyone was like, that. no wonder they were clapping because they were old people going, yeah, can someone please do something about the way our country's going? And I was saying to my girlfriend, like, why can't her daughter's school be showing this movie? And teaching people, oh, she wants to go and see the new Daredevil movie yeah, or whatever. That's true. And it's just the learning function coupled with the cultural function, com- cu- coupled with the ideas to to help you know the world. And I sound like an old fogey here. I sound like kids these days, but I'm, I really worry about that. And um, I'm also worried about the you know the quality of information they're getting because it seems to be very superficial. Yeah. It seems to be very trivial, yeah. like the movies there. Yeah. yeah, just like. They only have a sentence of mm. everything. Nothing is going deeper than that, which also affects their curiosity. They think they know because they saw it on Twitter or they saw it on Facebook, but they do not get go into it. They don't ask questions. And I think what is missing um, among everything, you know, including the, the, the educational system, mm. is the curiosity. I How mean, do we fix that? I really don't know. Um, I'm in the process of education as well, and uh, sometimes it's very difficult to, to, to fix it. Mm. But, but it's possible, you know, you have, to, you, you have to have a lot of energy, you have to infect them, and uh, you have to be there with them. I think the, the, you know, the attention that they, they have is very limited because of the information they're getting. Uh, I think this is the problem. We have we not just kids. We all everyone. have too much information. Yeah, I have too much information. Overload and trying then, and you can quick that can quickly lead to nihilism. That can quickly lead to I don't care about the world anymore. It's too depressing. Uh, that can lead it to I have no time to be creative. Yeah. I have no time to read. How and, can I compete with yeah, this world? And you then go. Well, what are we actually doing? Uh, we're probably becoming more narcissistic. We're probably feeling like you know that we need to document our lives through Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and all this kind of stuff 
and the room for movies and and you know television is going through a golden age at the moment yeah. in terms of the quality I don't know what it's like here but but uh, I mean oh. I think here you said <laughs> here you said that the key I mean I, when you come it's out it's in of the a, bronze age it is. when you come out <laughs> of never a, says of that when you come out of a war zone or you come out of an economic if you come out of an economic collapse the last thing that people spend their money on is arts and culture. But that's not true. Really? Okay, but tell me why. That is absolutely not true. During the war, there were a lot of exhibitions. There were a lot of theater plays. Okay. There were, you know, the scene was alive. There were concerts every night, even though there was curfew. The first war cinema opened during the war, uh, called Apollo. People were coming. They were giving their last cigarette to see a film. They were going to theater. They were risking their lives to be part of something. It's not only escapism. I think it's a proof that you're leading a normal uh, life. Yes, yes. And uh, you want to hear a story. I, it's normal. It's in our blood yeah, to hear yeah. stories. Yeah. To be someone else for an hour, yeah. two hours. To sympathize with somebody's tragedy. To laugh at somebody's comedy. Yes. And after the war, people were coming to, to the film festival. They're even coming to the film festival today. What I think is missing is... Additional, I think our educational system is not really supporting the young generation. I cannot blame them. If you look at our books for elementary school, they're outdated. Uh, on, uh, so there is the, uh, this very old system. When they come home, they're surrounded by iPads, iPhones, yep. uh, whatever applications. They can, you know, be in somebody's room, 3D, yeah. you know, virtual reality. Yeah. You know, so they're confused, you know. They don't know where they are. Interesting. Uh, it's hard not to. Uh, it's hard to disagree with with all with that with that thinking. I, I think you're spot on. What 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 um, advice? Just changing tack a bit. What advice would you give to a filmmaker who was maybe a first time filmmaker who was trying to woo you with their film to get picked for a, a, a um, film festival? Well, to make a good film. <laughs> that was a really long question and a very short answer. <laughs> Just make a good film uh, and give it to me. But what sort of pitfalls do people make? What, what mistakes do people make a lot that, that could be avoided? Uh, one of the biggest mistakes, especially in this part of the world, is that they don't work enough on the script. Right. They have an interesting idea, which sometimes does not have a full potential for a fiction film. Yeah. Uh, instead of working, they hurry up and try to, you know, yeah. find the financing and try try to shoot it, thinking that they will fix it during the shoot. You yeah. cannot fix the script during the yeah. shoot. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things that we did as a film festival was to de develop a, a, a script developing platform called yeah. CineLink, okay. which has really helped a lot of filmmakers to realize how important it is to develop something, to yes. nurture something. Yeah. Also, to listen to other people's comments, but also to be careful who they give their projects to read. Because not everybody is really fit to give comments, and not everybody, not everybody should, actually. I found that as well. I, my, my thing was I released screenplays too early. Because you get excited, because you've, you've kind of done the second or third draft, and... You need to do 12 drafts. You need to really fix them. You send them out to people. You know, people will read them once. Maybe your really close friends will read them twice for you, but that's it. And then the other thing was I found at some point having to just ignore your friends' comments because it's your piece and you decide when it's finished and you say, yes, I know, maybe there's no thread here, but I 
believe it works as my piece of art. It's very difficult to find yeah. the balance between the comments yeah. and between what you want to do. But that's why the developing is important, because it makes you realize what's really important for you as, as, as a mm. writer, as an artist. We're going to finish because Amma's going to see a Hungarian movie um, tonight. It's true to form and her, her job. We, we asked at the top of the podcast what your favorite movie of all time is. I must say something so cheesy. Everybody's oh, going to warm cheesy. it now. It's very cheesy, but film that I really enjoy so much, and I can see over and over again, is Once Upon a Time in America. <sighs> You're it's, very close to mine in title. One of, which one is yours? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's also great. Yeah, that's also yeah. great. Once Upon a Time in America is very long. It's amazingly yeah. short. <laughs> you know, when you start watching it, it sucks you in. How long I, is it, though? It's, it's, it's four, four hours. hours. Yeah. It's four hours. No, it is magnificent. It's, it's magnificent. magnificent. Yeah. For me, it's like four minutes, in a yeah. way. You know, yeah. whenever I sit down and start, from wherever I start, I just sit down, I'm there. And also, I must say that I love these films from, all the, from, this, from this time. Uh, you know, Godfather, Scarface. Yeah, Scarface yeah, yeah, is yeah. one of my favorite uh, films. And... Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, I, I'm really, yeah. uh, I well, really like Well, the HAL situation with Outside the Space at the end of 2001, where he, the computer turns sentient, I mean, that's <laughs> where we're heading. We're heading yes, that exactly. We're heading and then a give, visionary, a visionary. Give my listeners one movie they would never have heard of from the countries that are involved in the Sarajevo Film Festival that they need to find immediately. One. Oh, that is so difficult. But let me let me think about last year. Well, I would say Mustang. Mustang. Okay. They might have heard about it. Okay. But I would say Mustang. Uh, it's lastly, a Turkish-French co-production. Lastly, what advice do you give to your younger self looking back? Just go ahead and do whatever you like, but without the angriness that I used to have before. Oh, I was the same. I'm yeah. calming down a bit. I'm yeah. calming down. I was so angry. Because actually, the reason is we're angry. The things we're angry that are stupid, I find. You know? Very stupid, yeah. very yeah. unimportant. No, not really angry. I was so intense. Yeah, same. I was, I was like, I get ir- irritated. Yeah, about yeah. I would honestly freak out. And I would scare a lot of people away same. from me. So that's the only advice I would give to myself. I mean, other things, of course, fall down, make mistakes. You seem very content with what you've done. And I think... I think that well, you're, 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 you're. No, I think you're. you're still I'm not so content. Passionate. No, but you're no. passionate. No, you're passionate, <laughs> and you're not. You're not boastful. There's still time. I, know. <laughs> I exactly. guess there's still time. We're know. not old yet. We're gonna keep tracking <laughs> well, on. Well, we are older, yeah. <laughs> but cleverer and wiser. I hope. That was a great conversation, Alma Tadarajic. Thanks a million for coming on the Pine with Shawnee Thank B. You. And listen, good luck with uh, the continued success of the Sarajevo. Um, film Festival. Any of you you uh, budding filmmakers there, um, you should check it out if you haven't heard of it. It's one of the big up-and-comers and certainly in Europe it's challenging some of the big names. Anna, thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you as well.